What you got under your coat? It's unfair that we can't listen to our music. It's because it is about drugs and promiscuous sex. Simon and Garfunkel is poetry. Yes, it's poetry. It is the poetry of drugs and promiscuous sex. Honey, they're on pot. What's up? What's up, Jojo Flow? I, I don't know why that's a. I don't know why that's a thing that you just said, <laughs> dude. I'm, just, ch- I'm overtired and I'm just ready to go. <laughs> that's fair. A lot's changed apparently in like the you know week that we haven't spoken. I mean, I guess it's been two weeks since we last spoke. But um, yeah, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, my name is David, and I am Aaron, aka Jojo Flow. <laughs> oh, I thought you were calling me Jojo Flo. But that's 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 a person on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shout out to Jordan. I just that name came to okay. mind and I was like, man, that name just flows off my lips. I just wanted to say it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm glad you know who it is then cuz uh yeah, I was actually having a back and forth conversation with him today on Instagram. Oh, you guys were fighting uh, or what? No, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say fighting. I just it's funny because I just all of a sudden realized that the year 2018 just had a bunch of good records. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, and so I was like, I was like, well, I'm going to post about this. And uh, so, what were some of the ones we had? Like Trash Boat, Crown Shyness was like the big one for myself, yeah. and I know you like that record too. Uh, bearings, Blue in the Dark. Actually, that's how it started. I'm oh, wearing nice. my Bearings, Blue in the Dark T-shirt, and I was like, oh, I should listen to that album. And then it just got me thinking about how good that year was because we also had Wonder Years, Sister Cities. We had Real Friends, Composure, Between You and Me, uh, Everything is Temporary. What else was on that? Oh, uh, Living as Lions. Uh, Living as Lions? What was that? Living with Lions. Living with Lions. Living was with that Lions. Was 2018 already? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that record, Island, came out. I, I know I said Living as Lions because uh, do you remember the band As Tall as Lions yeah, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Uh, what else came out though? Oh, the story so far mm. came out that year with proper dose. Just a bunch For of me, good it was records. Beartooth and the Interrupters that year. Right. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Yeah, because that was Beartooth disease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. So and much. It feels good like stuff. a long time ago already. <laughs> right. Maybe just because uh. the last few months have felt like a year or so. <laughs> <laughs> That's twenty eighteen. That's fair. Shouldn't feel that far away, but. Well, I think, and you know what, I think that's a good, uh, a smooth transition because um, there's been a lot of good new music though that's actually come out, yeah. you know, since we've been, you know, since the world changed. And as we do, we've started kind of mentioning some of the newer stuff that we're listening to is, you know, most of the show we tend to talk about older stuff. So we'd like to share some new stuff too. So uh, why don't you fire off your first one? Now it's been a couple weeks since we released an episode. So instead of just doing one each, we decided to do two each. And that was mainly because I, I had multiples that I wanted to mention. So um, what, do you, what do you got? What was your first song um, that you want to recommend? The first one, yeah, this came out, I think, two weeks ago. A band called The American Classic. I'm a band that just kind of popped up on my radar and checked it out. And honestly, on first listen, I was a little back and forth. Um but kind of the more I listened, it kind of hooked me a bit more. And um, so I, I believe the song is called Gone Away. Gone 
It was the one for the music video. It was the first song. Um, I mean, the, the video was the thing that popped up on the music site, and so that's kind of what, what hooked me, and I checked out the album. And um, Actually, I was um, messaging back and forth with our guitar player, Kenny, and he said uh, the singer is new, and so I thought that mm. was pretty cool just to have... I mean, he's, he's a very strong vocalist. Um, I also was watching a video um, for their song. I think it's called Numb. And it was just kind of a live in studio video, and and uh, he pulls it off um, really well. Not so I thought that was really cool, right and, and uh, yeah. So that's the first mention. My second yeah. one uh, was a band called Off Road Minivan, which is a sweet name. Yeah, so they're they're a band that I mean they're on Tooth and Nail, so they released an EP. This is their full length, and the reason why I kind of know this band, and probably a reason why I like them more than uh, maybe I normally would, is because their lead singer plays bass in one of my favorite metal bands called Fit for a King, and yeah. uh, I've always loved his vocals in Fit for a King. I mean, it's more um, like background vocals or chorus vocals, and he's such a good singer and brings a really unique kind of flavor to a style that maybe I'm not super into but I really love yeah. love this one um, yeah yeah there's only kind of a select few albums there was another one um, I'm kind of blanking on the band uh, it was like breathing or blue or something remember that EP like six months ago that came out that we were listening to <laughs> maybe not so uh, I have to find <laughs> I, I should have found it but it was kind of a I don't know. I can't remember what I'm describing. I remember you saying you really liked it, though, and you listened while you were cleaning. and But just kind of one of those albums that I normally wouldn't gravitate towards, but it just stood out to me. And so this is... That came out... You're saying that one came out six months ago or so? Yeah, something like that. It was a blue cover. It was an EP um, with the title Breathing, something breathing mm-hmm. or blue or... Anyways, I'll have to find it, but... Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So anyways... <laughs> the... the f- the first thing that comes up, I think, is what a different shade of blue or whatever by, uh, um, is that what it's called? By, oh, why am I blanking on their name right now? Knocked Loose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a different shade of oh, blue. Yeah. That's definitely not what you're talking no, about. No, no, I'll, I'll um, have to find it. But anyways, just kind of in that realm of, of bands I wouldn't normally like, yeah. but kind of at the right time, kind of struck a yeah. chord, so... 
Good job. Off-road, yeah, off-road minivan. I really liked uh, the EP Spiral Gaze and was looking forward to this. Was excited when it was announced, and it's it's yeah, it's good. I I don't know if I liked it as much as I anticipated to like mm. it. Um, but it's also it, with that kind of music for me. A lot of times, it's just kind of gross. You just got to put it on at the right time, which I mentioned. Um, just in text message this week that like tiger wine right their album i've been listening a lot to and mainly because i just kind of was putting it on when i'd be working on something and it was just there and then all of a sudden i'd be like oh i actually want to listen to that again so that's however not one of my suggestions i've got uh, a couple first off um the band lightweights they released an ep fittingly called 2020 uh the song stability specifically yeah is what i want to talk about Yeah, and the thing I really love most about this song is just like the opening guitar riff on it reminds me of a mix between like old Blink-182 and specifically the song Sellout by NoFX off the self-entitled album. I'm not a big NoFX fan. I actually, self-entitled, I bought it from a record store because I was in there. I was like, oh, this record store opened up just a couple blocks from my house. So I went and checked it out. And I was like, ah, I feel like, you know, I should probably support them, an independent thing or whatever. And um, they were selling this, a used copy of, uh, of Self-Entitled. So I bought it. And the song Sellout, the guitar riff on that always stuck with me. Yeah. And so um, Stability by Lightweights has a guitar riff that reminds me uh, a little bit of that. And the other, the other song I wanted to mention, I, I think this record actually just came out this past Friday from when we're recording this. But... Uh, the EP is called Color Me. There's been a ton of EPs. A lot of EPs yeah. these days. Um, the band is Go For Gold, and specifically the song that I wanted to mention was Green Light.
man, this song, I don't know what it is about this song. Um, I just really like, I think, the, the imagery they're using, just kind of like driving and being in a vehicle and whatnot as like an imagery imagery for a relationship sort of thing, being, you know, sitting still at a green light type thing. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really cool, really cool vibe on this. That, the, that EP, I think, does some neat stuff where it's got some more upbeat pop punk and then, you know, kind of some stuff that mellows out a little bit. It's... Uh, it's a little all over the place, a little back and forth. It's real good. Really like it. But uh, yeah, so we are here to talk about um, not new music. <laughs> music that's been out for almost 20 years. Uh, we're continuing our Blink-182 series. Um, we are now, we may actually, I was kind of tossing around the idea of of covering some more Blink albums because they got so many, and we may do that, but we're kind of into side project territory now. Uh, we're going to talk specifically this episode about Boxcar Racer as well as Plus 44. Of course, those being side projects of not only Travis Barker, he's the common denominator in those right. two bands, yeah. um, but of course, Boxcar being Tom and plus 44 being mark so let's get into it first we're going to talk about uh, the self-titled record from boxcar racer kind of get through some some facts and then we'll talk about you know a little bit of what we think of the band and we'll get into some songs uh but the name boxcar racer actually comes from a band that travis was in shortly after high school uh that was called boxcar racer he just kind of thought it was a meaningless silly name that you know kind of sounded cool but didn't have much but delong actually took a liking to the name after he learned that the uh, b-52 bomber that dropped the atomic bomb on Nagasaki, I believe, was called Boxcar. Mm. Uh, more specifically, it was. It, it looks like it was Bok Scar, uh, oh, and he thought it had kind of an yeah had kind of an end of times feel to it. Um, clearly, this record was a bit of a departure for Tom from his, you know, what he was writing at that time. Like, because this came after Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, right? Or is it before Take Off Your Pants and Jacket? Uh, no, it would have been after. Yeah, let's say I'm pretty sure it was after in. Um, and so uh, it de- it's, it's, it's darker than what he was doing in Blink-182, more serious music. It was um, kind of heavier at times, for sure. Uh, Blink was light and fun. He wanted to get serious. Uh, this could be wrong, but I feel like I read in Travis Barker's autobiography that he actually introduced Tom to the music of Fugazi, uh, which is what eventually led to Boxcar Racer being a thing. Like I'm pretty sure in, uh, I think, what's... Barker, uh, Travis's yeah, autobiography thing is called 
Yeah, I think it's called Can I Say? Is that what it's uh, called? No, uh, it's um, something, something, and drums, drums, drums. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. But anyway, regardless, um, I'm pretty sure I remember him <laughs> basically saying that, you know, up until that point, Tom really only listened to, like, the Descendants and pop punk and, you know, like, the skate punk, that sort of stuff. Didn't really venture too far outside. Which, I mean, Fugazi's not really venturing too far. You're still under that same punk rock umbrella. But um, I, I, I feel like I read that. I could be wrong. But, uh, and I guess Tom was also feeling creatively stunted during the recording of uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. So this must have come after Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Uh, he was saying, Blink is like painting. You have all these colors you can use, but you only use one. Right. And so he wanted to kind of get out and express that. Uh, and the record went with more of a DIY approach than recent Blink albums. They got in there, they literally recorded, Travis recorded his drums in a single day for the entire yeah, album. crazy. Yeah, and my kind of note that I had, a personal note on this one, was that the guitars on this record hit so hard. Yeah, they're awesome. Like, they do not mess around. Like, not just the riffs. The riffs are heavy. They're kind of angular at times. Like I said, different from what Tom was doing in Blink at the time. But, like, the guitar tones are just so real. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, they just sound so good. Every time you put I put on that record, I'm just like... All right. So why don't you share, I guess, kind of how you initially got into or the first time you heard this record? Yeah, a few thoughts, um, just as you mentioned. So I've, I haven't heard a lot of Fugazi, but what I have heard doesn't sound as cool as this. So I'm not sure how the influence of them influenced this. Maybe I need to go back and, and uh, listen. Um, and I'm also curious as, so with both of these projects, I wonder what percentage of, of Blink fans know about these projects and know that they're related. Just right. kind of an interesting. And you know, I'm sure there's the the population. Just those that just know of Blink from kind of being on TV or their music videos, and right. aren't actually enough fans to know that they had had other projects. And so yeah. that's what's kind of cool about being a, a music nerd. You kind of get so much more in depth, and you get kind of the whole scope of things instead of just yeah, just one song or whatever. I feel like there's a pretty good chance that if you were into Blink, I mean, I guess there there would still be some who, yeah, you know, might know the odd song or whatever. But if you, let's say you were into Blink enough to own Enema of the State and or take off your pants and jacket, uh, I'm pretty sure you'd be aware that Boxcar Racer was Tom and Travis. But what I would be interested in finding out is people who, you know, because Blink is still making music and they made music after Tom did, Tom and Travis did Boxcar, right? So... The people that discovered Blink afterwards, I wonder if they'd have any idea. Right. You know, like I'm sure some for sure do, because you're going to have people who dig. But I wonder what percentage of Blink fans at that point are like, oh, what's this? Right. right. Um, but uh, yeah, because I mean, it. I, I think that was the one thing about um, this record is that the labels, was it MCA that it was on? I think. Yeah. Maybe. I can't familiar. remember. But I think they were like, well, anything to do with Blink is going to sell. Like, so let's just get it out there because they were, you know, kind of at the top of top of the food chain at that time. But um, so, I, yeah, I think if you were into them enough to own an album um, or have at least burned an album at that, like, you know, wanted yeah. to listen to more than just the radio singles, you probably knew that Boxcar Racer was for sure a thing. Um, but yeah, it, it, I would be interested to find that out too. Like, just how many people just had no idea yeah you know well that's interesting you mentioned 
um, that the label knew or thought it would sell well because for both of these projects, they actually sold quite a bit less, um, especially yeah. off the start. I mean, they both yeah. went on to sell, you know, 250,000 plus, which is still a lot, but not really when you compare it to, you know, the 10 million that Enema did and however much right. Elms did after yeah, that. Yeah. And so I guess that kind of goes to show either people didn't know that it was related to Blink or they just didn't care, didn't like it or or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, I can't really remember the exact moment that I heard this. Um, I definitely listened to this album more than I did Plus 44. Um, I don't know if this right. one, I mean, it was definitely more in the vein of what I would have been into you know, not that it was super aggressive by any means, but definitely kind of along those lines. What I find interesting is I wonder why they didn't just make this a blank album. Like I saw that, you know, there's a bunch of tension between Mark and Tom because Mark felt left out of the project. So it's like, well, why didn't they just make this a blank album? You know, it's not even, it's not that far off of the untitled, but yeah. had Mark joined and it wasn't a blank album, wouldn't have that just been kind of weird? It's like, hey, we're the same band, but different name, not that far off from our sound, and then they release yeah. the Untitled record. And So anyways, those are well, just kind of random thoughts. But Yeah, but no, I think it's interesting because, I mean, I, I think I get why it didn't just become a Blink album. There is an awkward thing on there in the fact that, yeah, like there was tension between Mark and Tom, and I think that's what Tom was referring to when he said, you know, like Blink is like, you know, you've got all of these colors you can use, but you're only using one. They just kept doing the same thing over and over again. I think he was just feeling tired in that regard. But the fact that Mark features on a song on this yeah. album kind of feels kind of feels a little weird because yeah, then at that point it is Blink 182 right. on that song, right? And I wonder like this this album definitely serves you know, as a bridge between Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and the Untitled record as far as like what would happen musically for that right. band. Um, because yeah, untitled was quite, quite a bit different from previous blank records. But when you factor in this album, you kind of go, okay, well there is clearly a progression, something happening and something got unlocked in Tom's brain as far as music writing is concerned. Right. Like, um, which is interesting too, because I mean, we'll get into it, but, um, like plus 44 also reminds me of, untitled era blink 182 right. at times like it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting but without kind of you know spoiling too much and getting too far ahead of ourselves let's uh let's get into the first song that we shall look at which was a pick of mine um it's the song watch the world
I'm pretty sure this song almost syncs up perfectly with the song There Is, which is later on the album. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you listen. I, I've noticed this for quite some time. But like the, you've got Travis doing the snare roll in this song as well as There Is. Right. And I think at one at one point in time, I actually tried to like sync them up. The only difference is I think in one of the songs, there's like one extra count on like uh on one of one of the like the bars or whatever i can't remember which song it's in but then it slightly puts it off but when you start them at the same time they play together for the first little bit so it's kind of weird um and it's kind of this neat like euphoric song almost like lyrically about you know kind of like writing the wrongs in the world and what that could maybe look like um it's also the song about the writer and their partner kind of getting through it all like seeing the changes in the world and just going like whoa we're going to get through this all. Um, and it's a song that Travis kind of stands out on for me, doing very Travis things. I know we talked about on, um, on what was it called? Oh, on the Untitled episode about how I, you know, I thought, well, this, this is the first record that feels like Travis is contributing more than just a beat, right? Yeah. Like, like he's actually a part of constructing these songs. Um, and I love how straightforward this song is musically until the guitar break hits on the bridge. And you kind of like think they kind of trick you like, okay, here it goes. This song's about to take off. And it literally just hits like a couple things and then goes back to what it was doing before. Yeah. It's sort of this like little, not even a false build. Cause I don't think there was really a build. It was just like, Oh, song's about to take up. Oh, never mind. <laughs> it's just like a false start almost. Um, but uh, yeah. And apparently this record from start to finish tells the story of a young man at the end of the world, which this song definitely fits that mold. I don't know mm. if I see that through the whole thing necessarily, but, right. um, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on watch the world? Yeah. Well, just to, uh, to make a note on the drums again, like, I mean, Travis has always had a style of his own, but I really felt on this album that it was even a whole other kind of part of him being on his own. Like, um, there's no, you know, like fast drumming on this album. It's quite mm. simple drumming, but it's very unique and original to itself. Yeah. And I, I saw that a lot of the songs, you know, Tom would just tell Travis, you know, just come up with a part and we'll kind of work with that. And there's yeah. so many of the songs on this album, um, maybe even be like half the songs or more where the song almost starts with a drum part um, or it's one of the main parts of the song. Right. And uh, I just think that adds so much to this album yeah. because it is a fairly, you know, simple album. There's not a ton of, like, lead parts. It's, you know, I yeah. think there was two guitar players in the band, but it's usually just kind of the one guitar part. And so those drums add so much to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a lot of the same points you made with the song. Um, yeah, it's uh, fairly simple, and so the drums are really the backbone of this song. And, again, I, I love the bridge on this song, too. I thought it created a really cool space ev- in the song, even if it – Maybe it didn't do what I was expecting it to do or thought it would do, but I just thought right. it, it created a cool space in there. Yeah. I mean, as far as like the, the no lead part sort of thing, like Tom definitely started writing chunkier riffs. They're not your like typical, yeah. you know, like Tom DeLong higher up on the neck, uh, you know, kind of riffs. They're definitely more like chord based. I'm, I'm going to assume he's down tuned for a lot of this. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but because uh, I didn't, I didn't bother trying to learn any of these songs. But um, but I, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like playing in drop D for a lot of it or something yeah. like that to kind of give those chunkier riffs a little more life. But and I didn't um, feel yeah. that it was missing. Like I, 
I don't remember feeling when I was listening like, oh, there, there really should have been a lead here or I could hear something in my head. Like I thought it really meshed well with just the structure of the songs with what was there. So that, which is yeah. a, a big compliment because lots of times in simple music, you kind of need something to kind of bring you in. But again, because the drums are um, so present in the songs, it kind of keeps you engaged in it. And it's like, man, that's a really cool part. It kind of keeps the song going where maybe a lead part would normally do that. Right, right. Um, yeah, this song has always been one that just kind of stood out to me. And I think because of the a lot of the reasons we mentioned, like it is a very simple song and kind of gets repetitive in the way it goes. But I just love, again, like the pictures he's painting with the lyrics. I think it's clear and, you know, and you kind of get these like euphoric views of what the world could be like mm. if, you know, everything got straightened out it's kind of neat but um that's going to take us to i think the second song we're going to talk about which was uh, another pick of mine and that would be tiny voices I think this song is just kind of about growing up and dealing with the voices in your head, you know, the doubts maybe you have. But it's interesting because there's also there's kind of like two different takes I have on this. So it's either that and, you know, the lyrics kind of give a glimpse at 16 years old, 19 and 25 years old. He kind of mentions mm. these specific numbers. But it can also be a song about a person maybe who snapped and uh, started listening to the voices in their head, ending up in prison, the 20 plus five years in line sounds like someone doing prison time right yeah Um, interesting take also yeah also in the part where tom sings use your voices and there's all the talking going on in the background um you can hear at one point uh them talking about someone going to prison and something that they did Mm. and all this kind of stuff so yeah i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure where that you know how that fits but uh it's kind of it's kind of interesting to me to say the least um but yeah, and it's and it's always just been a, a, a again a lot of memorable songs I think on this record. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on Tiny Voices? Yeah, this is definitely one of the more iconic songs on the record for me. Um, kind of as soon as it starts, uh, I know what song it is, and this is for sure one of my favorites on the songs. You know, similar thoughts as the other ones concerning the drums and guitars; they just really mesh well together. There's a huge chorus on this song, which is a, a standard on the album for me. Uh, one of my mm-hmm. favorite parts is that line: um, "Everyone will be let down." And I just love love the way it repeats and how the drums are kind of doing that beat in there. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that part. The start of the bridge is very blink to me, that clean guitar riff. Um, I mean, it's classic Tom, but just when it comes in, and I always kind of think it's a blink song. And then it ends on the chorus, which I think was a, a perfect part to end on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, it is such a good song. Such a good song. Um, but let's, uh, let's get into our final song off of 
boxcar racer, and that would be your pick, which is And I. another one that, that always stands out to me um, so this song is about a relationship that you're not sure of it depicts growing apart from the one you love to in the end you lie to yourself that you still love them when you don't so this starts with you know like I said one of those classic Travis drum beats super simple but really sets the tone of the song especially when the guitar riff kicks in and the rest of the song kind of follows suit uh, it's such a great start to the song the drums add so much to making the song more memorable as with uh, lots of the songs I love how the bridge builds on the song and then it goes into the double time chorus. It's so catchy to me. Uh, it's one of my favorite parts on that song when it just goes into that and I part and um, but just the drums are kind of going, you know, doo -doo -ba -da -da. Mm -hmm. and it just, yeah, I, I love that so much. It kind of makes me wish there was maybe more parts that were upbeat on the album, um, but maybe this is just enough to kind of, you know, to hook, to hook me in and it's like, okay, yeah, this is a, a really good one. Yeah, so I feel this is one of the songs that most resembles what Blink would actually become on the Untitled album. Yeah. Um, it's it's maybe the most straight-up Blink-182 song on this record, definitely in the chorus and the bridge, as you mentioned. And uh, uh, it seems to be, you know, a classic song about a relationship falling apart, but the writer being unable to fully detach themselves. And it's funny because when you said, oh, I want to do the song And I... For whatever reason, I immediately went to, I was like, I think he means, um, I feel so. <laughs> like, oh. is the song he wants to, because in my, in my head I'm hearing it, and I feel so, blah, right. and I feel so, right? I was like, actually, I don't think that's how that goes that anyway. But uh, It is a good one, too. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, it's so interesting to see kind of Blink-182 pre-untitled. You know, this it's one thing I've I've thought you know often about this record is the fact that it looks very much like um, what Blink One Eighty Two would become, and to see kind of like that transition from take off your pants and jacket to Untitled in this record form right. because th that that was one of the thoughts I had when Untitled came out. I was like, oh, it sounds like Boxcar Racer, Blink One Eighty Two doing Boxcar right. Racer. Um, and so this is just one of those songs where, you know, it was probably one of the ones that really sort of cemented that. But uh, let's chat about a few other songs on this record real quick that I wanted to mention. Um, Elevator, which is one that I mentioned earlier with the, uh, that's the one with the, the Mark Hoppus feature yeah. on the song. Um, you know, it's 
boxcar racer i don't know if the tension existed beforehand or if boxcar racer created that tension in blink 182 between tom and mark but mark is featured on the song like i said it's kind of weird it's a fine song though another one of those ones that's very simple though right like um throughout from start to finish another one that's very simple with another great feature is cat like thief uh, that feature being Tim Armstrong of Rancid, or specifically, I want to say more specifically at that time, I think why he ended up on the record is because he was also in Transplants with Travis Barker. Right. They were just, they had hands, you know, everywhere. And I, I originally debated picking this song because it's always been one of my favorites. It's kind of unique. Tim Armstrong's voice is so great on this song. But at the same time, there's not much going on here besides Travis playing a drum loop. I guess he actually played that whole thing live. The idea was he wrote a drum piece to create a loop but he just played the whole like the yeah. whole song live, which is pretty cool. Well, um, yeah. And yeah, that's interesting. As, with uh, just to mention with Mark and uh, with Tim, I did feel I, I really like those songs because the the extra vocals added a lot. The one downside to this album for me is it's too much Tom singing. There's not enough, you know. Like I've mentioned in the Blink episodes, how him and Mark um, they they uh, complement each other so well. And I did find as I was listening to this album, I was like, okay, I could use, you know, a bit more breakup in the vocals. So I do right. like those um, those guest vocalists on there just because it adds that little bit of dimension yeah. to it. And I mean, I guess as I've always kind of preferred, I think, the Tom song. So I was just like basking in the Tomness. Uh, another song I want to mention, we mentioned it briefly, was I Feel So. It's, you know, the hard-hitting single song immediately sold me on Boxcar Racer. I'm pretty sure it was the first song of theirs that I heard. And it just, yeah, from, from the get-go, it hits. And then finally, uh, the song There Is. This song and Letters from God show off Tom's acoustic side, which on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, for sure on um, one of the bonus tracks, the one I had, there was a song called um, What Went Wrong, and it's an acoustic song. Mm-hmm. It's just Tom singing. Yep. And I guess they've, Boxcar Racer had covered that song, covered, quote-unquote, um, a few times live and which was very fitting because out of all the blink 182 previous stuff it was the one most that i was like oh yeah this reminds me of boxcar racer and uh yeah they they played it live um but uh there is finishes with a hard-hitting instrumental towards the end when it just kicks in the first yeah, time i heard it awesome. i'm sure it sent me like through the roof because <laughs> you're just like in on this acoustic jam or whatever and all of a sudden it just like Again, those guitars hitting so hard, right? It's just like, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, did you have any final thoughts on Boxcar Racer? It's just an awesome album to go back to. I, I never find myself getting sick of it. There's always something that kind of grabs me when I put it on. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I I definitely like it more than, than the untitled Blink record. Like, I would go to this one. Um, instead of that one, just I mean, because I've listened to it a lot more, and it's just got a bit more aggression to it, and yeah, yeah it's an awesome. You know, lots of times with side projects, it's kind of like okay, you know, they wanted to do their acoustic thing, or you know, get this other side out, you yeah. know, and they kind of do that. But this, like, it's a really strong album. It's mm-hmm. while it's a side project, like you can, like I say, it can stand up to. You know, I'm sure there'll be lots that would disagree with me about standing up. You know, with the untitled, <laughs> and I know it's not necessarily the the same thing but it's a it's a really solid record for sure yeah yeah i probably sit somewhere similarly i don't know if i like it more or less than untitled um i think maybe as an entire package i like it more it feels a little tighter than untitled untitled has a lot more experimentation going yeah, on 
Um, but I mean, I still love Untitled as well. And this is one that, yeah, I'll, I'll bust it out still. Not regularly, but, you know, I, I'll give it a listen every year for sure. And it was, it was a joy again to go back and listen to. But let's talk about, um, up next, we're going to talk about Plus 44 and uh, their record. Is it When Your Heart Stops Beating? Is that the name of the record? When Your Heart Stops Beating. Yeah, so plus 44 when your heart stops beating. Um, why don't you kind of share your, your notes and thoughts that you had on this one? Yeah, again, I can't I can't recall exactly when I heard this. I, I do know it was later on. Um, I probably heard, you know, the single when your heart stops beating. I was like, okay, this is okay, but it didn't, didn't really grab me. However, I, I really do like that song. I'm on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, but the band's name refers to the international dialing code of the United Kingdom, the country where the duo first discussed the project. So I thought that was pretty hmm. cool. I always wondered what, what the meaning yeah. behind Plus 44 was. Um, the early recordings were largely electronic in nature, which again, I, it's not something... So after I read that, I went back and listened, and I could definitely hear it more. I don't know if it's just kind of the space or tone of the songs but i could see how maybe they kind of built off of that Uh, but the band's sound gradually took on a heavier tone as hoppus and barker purchased a studio in which to record this i think it was uh, from one of the guys in the band poison or some kind of old older rock band like that so i don't know if just Mm. being in a studio like that was like okay we can't do an electronic record in this studio there's (laughs) been too much rock coming through here (laughs) <laughs> um, so although it was anticipated by the music press, the band's debut um, did not match commercial expectations and received mixed reviews from the critics. The group toured worldwide, worldwide through 2006 and 2007, including a summer slot on the Honda Civic Tour alongside Fall Out Boy. I don't remember, so with both of these bands, I don't really recall seeing or even really knowing that they toured. Um, but I mean... Apparently both of both those bands did tour a fair amount. Um, yeah, it would have been interested to to see these bands, you know, especially if um, if you had been a fan of Blink and saw them live and then saw one of these bands, you know, because that can be a thing with side projects too. Is if you've seen the original band and you go see the side project, you have expectations just based off of right. their their other project. And so sometimes I remember that when I saw um, Chris Caraba playing with. Um, Twin Forks? Twin Twin Forks, Twin Forks. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't seen Dashboard, but I mean, I'd seen enough live stuff. So when I, went yeah. up, when I saw it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like, I just would rather be seeing Dashboard songs instead of these ones. Right. Like, it was okay, and, you know, there wasn't, like, a great crowd or anything. But anyways, yeah. just that kind of thing, right? It's like, ah, uh, it kind of taints your view of something just because you're expecting them to be a different way or, or whatever. So. Right. 
Did you did you see Twin Forks on the tour with Northcote? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. I was say, I, I saw him twice, and the whole reason I originally went was because I was like, oh, he's going to play some songs from Dashboard, which he always played, I think, at least one. Um, but they were never, like, both times I saw him, they were, like, saw Twin Forks, they were never you know, like the big dashboard songs. Right. They were like some some deep cut or whatever that kind of fit the sound he had going a little more. But um, I have a quick funny story. So on that tour with Northcote, we got there a little bit early. And, you know, because the venue we were going to is called the Starlight Room. And if you get there early enough, there's like kind of this um, upper level that you can stand on that everyone walks past as you go in because it's like where the bar is or whatever but they've got like a ledge that you can lean against and sometimes there's bar stools and you can see over top of everyone right so we wanted to get that spot so we got there and we got that spot and i was like oh i'm going to go over and look at um look at some of the merch and so i walk over to the merch table and i was like oh there's the north coat vinyl oh there's twin forks vinyl i should just get both and so i'm like Hey, are you uh, are you doing merch for both Twin Forks and Northcote? And as I look up, it's Chris Caraba standing there <laughs> at the merch table, and I'm like, oh, oh, hey! I was like, can I get one of each? He's like, yeah, I guess I can do that. So I'm like, all right. So he like sells them to me, and I'm standing there, and he's like, this was kind of awkward. He's like, would you like me to sign it? I'm like. You should be, all right. Can you sign I, the Northcote one for me, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I was like, all right, I, I guess so. So I like hand it to him. He signs. He's like, to David, uh, thanks for the support or whatever. Heart, Chris Caraba. I was like, so, so nice. weird. So uh, yeah, up, upstairs I've got a sign, like Chris Caraba signed Twin Forks uh, record. But uh, I have gotten the chance to see Dashboard Confessional a couple of times since then, which is great because I hadn't before then. And I absolutely you know, grew up loving Dashboard. But uh, just recently found out that his the tour he was coming on up here that I was supposed to see right. him on, you know, pre, pre-COVID-19 pre stuff yeah. isn't being rescheduled. It just got refunded. So That's I was like, well, yep. Oh, well, what can you do? But uh, yeah, no, plus 44. Oh, uh, did you have any more thoughts uh, on the just record a few, after, before I cut you off? Um, so there was actually plans for a second plus, four, plus 44 album. Uh, but that was put on hold in 2008, and the group entered into an extended hiatus with the reunion of Blink um, in 2009. Mm. So I would have been curious to hear what that sounded like. Um, right. I, I, well, what a, it would have sounded like Neighborhoods, because that's what came out after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, that could be. Uh, I, I did notice so another vocal thing on this one that, um, that Mark seems to do mostly all, if not all, the vocals on this. So even in the yeah. harmonies, I noticed... Which I mean, I love his voice, and and he harmonizes harmonizes beautifully, and so uh, I didn't mind that part. But just something I was listening to is like, oh, I wonder yeah. if that's just because the other none of the other guys could sing, or maybe it was a control thing, or just kind of whoever ended up being in the studio. But um, another, just one more quick thing is both of these were produced by Jerry Finn, who um, mm. Blink had been working with for quite a while, and I wonder what the um, the dynamic was of both these bands coming to him you know, maybe with that tension in there and kind of different dynamics going for different things. And I wonder if he ever kind of felt like he was kind of coming between the band because he obviously would have had a, yeah. a good relationship with, you know, all three of them, right, from doing three records yeah. um, prior to this. And so, um, yeah, that was, just, that was an interesting tidbit. And it's interesting because, so I guess before I get into that connection, what I think is kind of interesting, first and foremost, I always kind of wrote this album off as just Mark and Travis trying to create a subpar Blink-182 replacement. And, you know, maybe that could have been a thing that I thought of Boxcar had these roles been reversed sort of deal, yeah. right? Like, 
you know, Mark leaves and then Tom creates something like if that were the case. But when Boxcar was happening, Blink-182 was still a thing, right? So it didn't feel like he was trying to recreate something. Whereas on this record, it felt like a subpar Blink-182 replacement because it still felt for the most part, especially since it came out after Untitled, that it still felt like a Blink record in a lot of ways, but it lacked the creativity that Tom brought you know, with those riffs and whatnot yeah. that he, you know, as, as he's known for his guitar work. Right. But turns out, I don't think that was the case. And they actually, um, did that, you know, they created a subpar version of Blink-182 in recent years. Um, that's a joke <laughs> because, <laughs> because, yeah. because the Blink-182 now, I don't mind Blink-182 now, but, um, in truth, I do like this record. It take it, it's definitely more for me of a record that has to grow on me than boxcar did boxcar was an immediate sort of thing and i think i think there are things that kind of play into that with boxcar and one of the biggest things that kind of works against plus 44 is that the production on this record doesn't make any sense to me it's a major disappointment like the guitars on this record are so weak definitely and and maybe that's what makes it feel as i said earlier like subpar in a way that you know the guitars in Blink One Eighty Two, the guitars hit hard. In Boxcar Racer, the guitars hit hard, and then you have Plus Forty Four, and it just doesn't do that. So do you right? think like it just, that was because the, just the guitar players that they brought in maybe just didn't have that scale or ability, or because it was originally supposed to be electronic, they weren't really going for a more of a rock yeah, sound. I don't know. Like because when I do listen to it, it does. Yeah, the guitars for sure are like a lot lighter and kind of. Yeah, and I don't know sounding. if it's it's interesting because like with Boxcar Racer, you know, it's not like they're playing any standout lead riffs or anything like that, right? Like, I mean, there are there are guitar riffs on there that are great, but like again, they're all based kind of more in rhythm sort of stuff, right? And so I don't think it's necessarily a case where I'm like, oh, I don't think the guitar players were playing their parts well. I just think the guitars sound crappy. Like they they instead of adding to the production and to the mix, they just kind of take away for me because when you expect the song to like hit it never does because they don't they don't allow the guitars to do that it's kind of this weird sort of thing and maybe that is based in the fact that originally all you know this was supposed to be an electronic sort of thing i don't know but um let's get into the songs though so i picked two on the last one and you picked one we flipped it this time you picked two i picked one first one being a pick of yours which is 155 So this is the song that's always stood out to me. Anytime I think of this album, this is the one just that 
that chorus part about going down to the water it just seemed it's such a catchy line for me. Um, so this was the fourth single um, from the album, and 155 refers to the song's tempo. So uh, interesting little uh, yeah, thing yeah. there. I said I read that one. The uh, the lyrics seem to imply having a tough conversation with a loved one, possibly. Um, I I do like the lead synth on this song. I think it adds a, yeah. a cool dynamic and element to the song. And so there are some some aspects to these songs that, that you definitely can tell came from an electronic, you know, idea right. or whatever. Um, like I mentioned, I've always loved that chorus. Kind of has a haunting feel and sound to it, which um, I think is really cool. And it has a cool instrumental bridge um, towards the end of the song. You know, otherwise it's a pretty standard song structure, but. This is, yeah, for whatever reason, just that chorus and um, just that kind of haunting, darker, moody sound has always stood out to me on this yeah. one. Well, and I think that's kind of a common thing on this record is it, it's this record, much like Boxcar was darker than Blink-182, I feel like this record, maybe not necessarily darker than Untitled, but darker than Blink-182 had been in the past, right? Like he kind of explores that a little bit. And I think a lot of that comes from, you know, just like, riffs in the relationship between him and Tom sort of thing and just kind of going through some harder stuff but the first note that I had on this song could be a note that comes up on a couple of different songs it's literally hi-hat triplets because on this record it's it's as if Travis Barker discovered that he has a hi-hat <laughs> and he plays the hell out of it on a number of songs like just so much like right just like going to town on his hi that was my best hi-hat impersonation by the way but um just going to town on it. I do like that this song, you know, is about having a tough discussion sort of thing. It almost kind of plays out like a scene in a movie or a TV show for me, the way it's written and the line, and this is not the time or place for us to speak like this. Makes me feel like Mark is trying to keep a dispute from blowing up in public sort of thing yeah. and being like, let's, let's talk about this later. The video kind of makes me laugh because it's just live footage of them playing on maybe it's the Honda Civic Tour that they did. I'm not sure, but uh, playing in front of some pretty big crowds. And they are rocking out in the video. And it's great because, like, Travis has a mohawk. One of their guitar players has a mohawk. And they just look, you know, some of them look a little more hardcore. But then you actually hear the song, and it doesn't hit that yeah. hard, like, at all. <laughs> right? Like, kind of they are jumping all over. Yeah, jumping all over the place, you know, kind of like not doing guitar tosses, but, you know, they're they're fully into it. And then when you, like, listen to the song, it's just like, I like the song and, and actually when, uh, when I was going through the record and you had, you had sent two of the songs that you were picking, I, uh, when this song came on, cause I didn't know the title I looked, I was like, Oh sweet. This is one that he picked because if it wasn't, I was going to pick it. Yeah. And it was based on that, that synth line at the beginning for sure. Um, it's really, it re it hooks you from the get go. Uh, but yeah, it's the video just kind of doesn't really fit for me, which is funny because they're clearly playing that song. It's not even like, you know, they've, they've synced the footage up to them playing right. other songs because they're singing it. Right. So, but anyway, let's move on to, uh, the next one that you picked, which is cliff diving. <laughs> Jumped into a wing sky 
Yeah, so this is one that was inspired by Hoppus' teenage summers growing up, especially jumping into pools from the rooftops, which is uh, maybe a little throwback to uh, Scott from Dude Ranch jumping off a rooftop and breaking his breaking <laughs> his ankles. So yeah, yeah. I guess that was a favorite activity for a long time. The track is about embracing the unknown, further incorporating influence from the breakup of Blink and the beginning of Plus 44. It's got a really cool opening guitar riff. Um, it's definitely different with more of a clean sound on the guitar. It's a, a more upbeat song than maybe some of the other ones. This song reminds me of another band, um, but I couldn't really pinpoint what it was. So maybe maybe you've got some to that. But um, it kind of has nope. a, <laughs> more of like a poppy, maybe indie vibe to it. I can see this song being played at beach parties. Maybe that's just because the lyric, Here Comes the Promise of Summer. But something about the yeah. vibe of the song just reminds me of summer and just kind of had a, a good feeling to it. Yeah. Um, I kind of put, you know, I don't actually have too much to say about this song musically. It's a good one. Like, I enjoy it. Uh, the bouncy riff on the chorus kind of feels surprisingly refreshing for Ho- Mark mm. Hoppus for me. Like, it's something a little different. Um, <laughs> the thing I like is, and you mentioned it, the imagery of jumping off of houses into pools uh, reminds me of the movie Almost Famous. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, uh, but there's a clip. Yeah, that sounds familiar. If I did, it was a long time ago. There's a clip where, like, the guitar player in the band, and I want to say, I'm trying to think, he, you know, similarly to, you know, like, Blink-182 having some tension, the guitar player in Stillwater, the fictional band in Almost Famous, is all sorts of tension with the lead singer at one point, and I think this scene kind of follows that, but anyway, he gets just, like, goes on a bender, gets hammered, gets wasted, he's at this party, and he decides, you know, he's going to climb up on the roof of this house, and the tour manager's there trying to beg him to get down, you know, get back on the bus. we got places to be. And he's just like, I'm give, I'm done. But before he jumps off the roof of the house into the pool, he shouts, I am a golden god, and then jumps off. So this, it's it's kind of like this iconic scene from the movie. And just the imagery that, that Mark is painting in this kind of just reminds me that's, that's immediately where I'm taken to. Um, but yeah, it... it as you said, you know, kind of like that summery song. And the mention of summer, it automatically kind of becomes this thing where you're like, oh, got to listen to it in the summer, right? Well, so, similar to, uh, uh, um, what was it, Dismantling Summer by uh, Wonder Years, oh, yeah. kind of. For yeah, some reason, yeah. you just put that in a title and it's like, you know, well, oh, this should this should be played at a certain but, time of year. But it's funny because with Dismantling Summer by the Wonder Years, it's a song that makes me feel more like, because I think the the... I guess what he's singing about the subject matter he's singing about is a lot is a lot heavier and he's talking yeah, about definitely. like a summer like winding down and just kind of being like it it, it fell apart right, right like yeah, that yeah. summer did not go the way and so I'm like it, it feels a little heavier a little darker yeah but, definitely but I, I get what you're saying I was almost about to say the same thing like when you throw the word summer in a song it almost automatically feels like it has to be a song you listen to in the summer but um, yeah so the third and final track that we picked off of this record was one that I picked and uh, it is called No It Isn't understand this isn't just goodbye this is i can't stand you this is where the road crashed into the ocean it rises all around me and now we're barely breathing a thousand faces will choose to ignore curse my enemies forever let's let our wrists and burn down something beautiful 
desperation leaves me overjoyed With fading lights that lead us past the lives that we destroy The funny thing about this, first and foremost, I really like the simple melody or mellow feel to this song. Uh, super melancholy, just kind of from start to finish. Uh, the song is apparently about Tom and the first breakup of Blink, but the song is called No It Isn't as an answer to questions of whether the song is about Tom or not. Um, <laughs> I guess like they that. named that song. Yeah, so like when when you know when journalists were bound to ask if the song was about Tom, the answer was no, it isn't. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny, and the way it hits at the end kind of provides some closure for me. Not only because it's the end of the song, but because it's you know a release after getting something heavy off of his chest, it just kind of like explodes uh, for the end of the song. And it's later in the album, it just feels I don't know. I really I could really get into this song, and yeah, it's a lot mellower than. You know a lot of the songs we discuss with Blink One Eighty Two, Blink One Eighty Two related stuff, but it's uh, it's a good one. Yeah, this is one of the ones that that I really like too. This one actually reminded me of something that Blink would do. I love the guitar starting with uh, just Mark singing, and the drums come in with a really cool background beat. When the song comes in full, it's super catchy. Um, it's got a, kind of a cool melancholy sound to it. Mm-hmm. Um, similar with uh, you know a number of the songs on this album, just that kind of darker, moodier vibe and. Um, which right. I, I thought definitely added something to the songs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, I guess, did you write down any other songs you wanted to quickly mention? I do have one, but uh, if you've got some. Uh, well, the title track, When Your Heart Stops Beating, that's, I mean, I've always liked that, that song. It's pretty upbeat and catchy as well. Um, I did find listening to this album, um, especially the first time through just a bit confusing like i couldn't really tell what they were trying to do with it and um Mm. it's definitely not as memorable as you know a lot of blink stuff or the boxcar racer and and so i was definitely missing that um yeah so there wasn't like a ton of other there's there's a handful of other songs that are decent but um, besides that single um, there wasn't a whole lot of other ones that really stood out to me Right, so the the song that I wrote a note on was the song Baby Come On, which may have been another single. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I don't know if it had a video or anything, though. But the line, the past is just the future with the lights on, may actually be one of the best lines that I've ever heard yeah, Mark write. Cool. Like, it's, it's a good line. And the drums on this song are great as well. The fills Travis does on the verses actually kind of hit hard. It's just like this little sort of, I want to say middle of the verse fill thing that he does. The chorus hits in pretty good. It's real catchy. Um, but yeah, it is this song. Uh, it's a record that it never, I don't know that it leaves me necessarily wanting more. Um, yeah. You know, like, and, and I'm not very often felt like, oh, I have to go back and listen to, you know, that right. record. There's not a ton of memorable songs on it for me. There are some, but not a ton. Whereas, yeah, like Boxcar Racer, I think the songs yeah, were more memorable. But agree. Um, I, I did reach out and uh, got some responses uh, online with people sharing their thoughts. Um, Peter from Me and Pete, which is another podcast that I do about Fallout Boy that's not really about Fallout Boy, but sort of about Fallout Boy. Anyway, he says that uh, Boxcar Racer has the higher highs, but Plus 44 is the better overall album, he thinks. Yeah. Um, and then common contributor to the show, David from Jimmy Eat Pod. Uh, this is what he's, he, <laughs> he's a huge Blink fan. So every one of these things he's jumped on, but uh, he says, Boxcar Racer, I slept on this record for some reason, and I don't know 
how I don't know or remember why. Luckily, I did catch them at the whiskey where the movie life opened and Tim Armstrong came out and played cat like thief with them live on stage. I distinctly remember uh, security pulling film out of people's cameras as we all left the venue. What a bizarre time to be at shows. I then got to see them headline the Wiltern with H2O. Travis came out to sing Guilty by Association with them. Awesome. Uh, taking Taking Back Sunday and the Used opening. Wow. One of the yeah, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen, which my comment was a reply like, holy crap, that's a show. Lastly, Travis's work on this record is by far his best work, specifically on And I, but really throughout the entire record, although Pin the Grenade is up there in the top 10 of my favorite Travis parts, which made me extremely happy. Uh, plus 44, I'm a Mark Hoppus stan, as he says. I was so incredibly stoked for this project, and while I probably enjoy the Boxcar record as a whole more, Chapter 13 and Baby Come On are absolutely better than any one song on the Boxcar Racer record if we're putting them up against one another. I was lucky enough to appear in the video for When Your Heart Starts Beating and my wife and some friends, with my wife and some friends, it was such an incredible experience. I had to miss the first Plus 44 show because of work, but some friends went. I know I saw them at least once uh, on the Honda Civic Tour and they cancelled their bamboozle left performance, which bummed me out, but I did get to see... Soko reunite on stage at that show. So there, um, <laughs> quite quite a lengthy story, but that's pretty yeah, rad that he's awesome. apparently in the video. Now, now I want to go watch the video and see if I can see if I can spot him. But um, he'd be a much younger version of himself, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, I I I think I'd say I don't know if I would say that plus forty four you know has the higher highs or is the better album. I think that hands down for me is Boxcar Racer. Yeah, me too. But but I will say in this. You know, prepping for this episode, I definitely enjoyed Plus 44 more than I had in the past. So I guess maybe maybe it eventually grows on you and it overtakes. It's like, you know, it's like clover in your backyard. It starts as just like this small patch and you're like, eh, whatever. And the next thing you know, it's taken over three quarters of your yard. And you're like, dang it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this up Can't or whatever, get away from the clover. whatever, whatever take over that much, but. Yeah, it's. I mean, I enjoyed it more now than than I remember liking it, but still not yeah. something that I'm yeah craving to go back to anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go, man. So that's Boxcar Racer and Plus Forty Four. Uh, you want to talk about Rise Against? So, which records were you wanting to talk about? Uh, Siren Song and the Sufferer and the Witness. There you go. So go ahead and follow us on uh, social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Growing Punk Pod. Uh, you can find our personal Twitters and Instagrams there as well. You can find the links to our website and all of our where we are located as far as podcasts are concerned. And wherever you are listening to the show, make sure you rate it, you review it, you subscribe, you share it with your friends, all that stuff. Help us grow the show. Uh, we appreciate those of you who uh, interact with us each and every week. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's continue growing that. But uh, anyways. That is going to do it. So, uh, bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Don't even know the truth. Sweetheart, don't be a drama queen. Fuck you! Hey! This is a house of lies! There it is. Your sister used the F word. I think she said feck. What's the difference? 
the louder you.